the Born to Be Mild podcast. Hey, hey, Born to Be Mild fans. Thanks for joining me for another installment of your favorite straight shooting from the left of center podcast. It's the end of January. Uh, Do you know where your GOP senator's spine is? Me neither. In fact, my GOP senator, Rob Portman, decided just this morning that he, in fact, could not stand the heat, so he's getting out of the crazy kitchen that is the Republican Party, stating he will not be running again in 2020. We'll have plenty of time to talk about all the different occupations, cults, and hobbies that former rump enablers have gotten into. But for now, we will just focus on the about-face that most of them have made on impeaching the former, pre- the former president for inciting the insurrection on his own Congress. And we'll get into that in a sec. Uh, on the show today, I welcome the dynamic duo of Miss Melinda Ford and Miss Brittany Cabuno, a.k.a. my wife. Otherwise known in your local podcast platform as the Bossy Besties. Now, these two have been putting out quite a freaking hilarious show that is also quite thoughtful since pretty early on in the pandemic. So check them out if you have not yet. Um, They try not to alienate their audience members by talking a lot of politics on their show, you know, kind of like I do. But that's exactly why they're with us today. So stick around for that. But I kind of wanted to take a moment real quick. If you do not mind, please indulge me. I want to mention two people that really, really mean a lot to me. The first is Mr. Denny Coleman, uh, a great guy by all accounts who passed away very recently from COVID complications. I worked with this guy for the past seven years, and it was an absolute honor to get to know him and to have so many amazing conversations with him over that time. Uh, Not only was he one of the few people that I work with who isn't like a total MAGA nuthead, just being honest here, but besides the astute political talk, he would always be asking me about my wife and my daughter, and he really meant it. So, totally unlike myself, he was seen as this warm, approachable, big teddy bear kind of dude, and he really was beloved by people from all ends of the spectrum. Uh, I know he is going to be missed by many, many people, obviously none more than his family, But I just wanted to take a moment to be counted among the people who will be missing him dearly. So may his memory be eternal. We'll miss you, Denny. The second guy I wanted to mention is Mr. Luke Beard. Uh, Luke actually appeared on the BTBM show once, if you recall the episode that we were previewing the NBA playoffs. Yeah, so it was Mr. Luke's round ball expertise that I was leaning on that week. Um... He's absolutely one of my very best friends. I love him dearly. And I got the scariest message of my life from a mutual friend of ours uh, about Luke like just two days ago. It just started out saying, did you hear about Luke's surgery? I said, no. And he then replied with like, well, it's pretty heavy stuff to text about, but... I told him I needed to know, so go ahead. So the next message he sent read, um, 
he's been having some crazy anxiety and I guess he kind of blacked out while he was hanging out with his mom and he was wondering why he wasn't living in a town he had moved from months ago like didn't know where he was at so they took him to the hospital they found out that he had a giant tumor in his brain and they had to do emergency surgery to remove it as soon as you hear something like that you know your heart just sinks to the bottom of your stomach and it was ridiculous so I didn't know what to do and I was just looking for all the information I could get um our friend said that the surgeons had gotten most of it out and that we were going to be waiting for results of the biopsies uh, I didn't know what to do for the next 12 to 24 hours just hoping for the best but definitely not expecting the worst you know I mean fortunately the next day same friend hit me up and said that he just spoke with Luke's mom and that he was awake and alert and talking and I couldn't tell you how overjoyed I was at that news like whatever is to be faced you know in the future at least it's faceable so like later on then that day I called him and I was able to talk to him it was amazing and like I said, yeah, he's still waiting to find out what the next steps are going to be. But the point is, he's still here to be able to make the next steps. So, I don't know. This is one of those tell the people you care about they mean the world to you moments. This is one of those don't fall out, don't fall out of touch for too long moments. And I'm serious. Do it soon. Do it often. Enough about that. Just wanted to mention... Luke, love you, brother. Hope you're listening in good health. All right, a quick thought before today's conversation. Now, this is obviously having to do with politics. Um, what I'm wondering here is, like, in an ideal sense, do districts send their local representatives to Congress as the best and brightest? Are, you know, like... Do we choose the selected member like we should as the representative who might be the best thinker of our community and we send him forth because he's got that best brain and maybe, I don't know, maybe we don't have and share all the same ideas that he does, but my God, with that brain, we kind of trust that um, the right decisions will be made. And I, it feels to me like in a, in a perfect world, you would trust the values that you send um, your representative to Congress with. So like this is the uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington type approach. But I, I wonder, I really wonder, especially nowadays when people are getting primaried from the right normally like crazy, but it happens on the left as well. Are these, are these representatives essentially just parrots of the loudest, the angriest voices that you have? Because they're the only ones who seem to be getting noticed. So if they're the only ones who seem to be getting noticed, they must be the only ones who are putting the insane amount of pressure on people for policy. Um, I, I wonder. I really have to know. Are they just turning off their brain and do it like it's a do-as-we-say type thing? Are they sending a bunch of Manchurian candidates to the Congress? I I think they are. I think they are only because we've seen it recently. Uh, 
After the 6th, um, Minority House Leader Kevin McCarthy said Trump bears responsibility for this insurrection. But then, you know, a week passes by, and next thing you know, all the crazy MAGA flying monkeys start making their calls to their local representatives, and now Mr. McCarthy walks his words back. Not only that, but all these rep- these Republican senators, they're cooling on conviction too. Lil Marco Rubio said, I think yesterday, he said that a trial would inflame partisan divisions. Uh, who gives a shit? How about holding the person who started the insurrection accountable first? I don't know. I mean, it's like, if these guys were in Nazi Germany, they'd be like, yeah, who needs these Nuremberg trials? Um... You know, like, are we just, we're just going to forgive Hitler if he survived World War II, essentially. You know, I mean, he was just blowing off a little steam on his Twitter account, right? I don't know. I don't know. This It's certainly not time for bygones. The Law and Order Party, they don't care about law and order anymore. They don't care about holding criminals to account. This is absolutely ridiculous. Like, there remains to be plenty to be seen regarding the future you know, strife that will be happening within the GOP. And the impeachment vote is going to be a moment where we see a real possibility for cleaving off the remaining sane individuals in that party. Or maybe they just all, you know, they're just going to lay down like dogs again to their master's terrible, terrible voice. Like they did in the first impeachment. You remember that? All right, well, make no mistake about it. Leaning on the leader of Ukraine for info on your political opponent's cokehead son is one thing, but perpetuating dangerous lies that cut the heart out of our democracy's credibility and then fomenting a riot just to grind the wheels of government to a, to a complete stop in hopes of throwing out the legally cast ballots of millions of Americans is another. This all seems obvious. Then again, a lot of things do. And that never seems to matter much. Eh, we'll see. Not much faith in the right from this guy right here. Well, anyways, without further ado, I give you my talk with Melinda and Brittany, the bossy besties. It's a good one, so stick around. And as always, like, share, and review five stars, of course, on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, wherever the hell else you guys are getting podcasts these days. Talk to you soon. And be well. Ladies, welcome to the Born to be Mild podcast. Thank you very much for your first appearance. Oh, Melinda's first appearance, because not mine. Well, I guess I meant first appearance as an entity. Oh, yes. As, as the, a, as a the Bossy Besties podcast coming on yes. as the tag team. Thank you so much. Thank you Absolutely. for having us. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, it's first it's time really caller, nice. long time listener. <laughs> first time, long time. Well, it's an honor to have you on. We really like to, you know, reach out to the fans here at BTBM. But seriously, uh, you guys have a really successful podcast, and I love what you guys do, and I love the angle that you guys take. 
and it's Just really nice. Just a side nice. note, BTBM, I have to say this because it's stuck in my head, and I, it sounds like a sexual proclivity. Sure, BDSM. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Like it's this, very close. We, there's a, we're, we've got a new title or a new chapter we're looking on when we're getting on website searches now. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't Google BTBM specifically. You're going to get a bunch of nasty stuff. Images and videos. <laughs> But so for my listening audience, this is essentially what we're looking at here with their show. It's pretty easy breezy. And it's pretty nice because it's in stark contrast to how I like to run my ship. And it's usually all serious, uh, gloomy Gus stuff, especially when Trump was in office. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't get away from it. But I think it was really admirable that you guys started your podcast with kind of the uh, opposite approach where you said you know what, we have a little bit too much politics in our daily daily lives, and uh, it's this this show is going to be about anything but. So I commend you guys for, for taking that approach. Well, thank you. We, uh, we know you turn on the TV at any time, and it's going to be politically based, especially these last four years, because it's, it bled into social media. It was everywhere. So we started our podcast during the pandemic while we were both suffering from joblessness you might remember paying all of our bills by yourself for a while (laughs) no it was like the perfect time and honestly it was like what everyone was starting a podcast then everybody I i think you guys really have something and have continued to do that and deliver so i think your guys's unique voices is something that uh has has really caught on and has got people listening because um, you guys don't sell yourself short, and you guys don't hold your tongues. I would say ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> so, so yeah. I'm, sometimes I'm just like walking by the room, and you guys are recording, and I can't believe what I'm hearing. I'm like, <laughs> is that my wife with this sailor mouth, or what? You know, obviously oh, you, I know. And but if it's... you think hers is bad, I mean, she just looks at me mouth agape half the time, like just oh, oh yeah, yeah, you she does. seem to teach her. You are the bad influence at school <laughs> that I have to tell her to stay away from, essentially. <laughs> Which is fine, which is fine. It is the spice of life. And uh, no, but seriously, um, you guys really go at it. Well, the world today has just, I mean, in the last, you know, few years, it, I feel like every year it progressively got tenser, you know, the, the tension in the room, you could cut with a knife in any public setting, I feel like. And then the pandemic came and we both lost our jobs and it was like, okay, you get tired of talking about such serious things all the time because I feel like it, it has an effect on my mental health. It, you know, it, to be around that energy, just that tense energy all the time. And it's sometimes you just wanted a reprieve from that, you know, and, and Britt and I would, you know, obviously we've been best friends for years and sometimes you call because you need to get something off your chest and you need to bitch and complain. But then sometimes you're like, I don't want to, I kind of don't want to hear about your problems. I don't want to talk about my problems. Like let's just like talk shit and crack jokes and have a good time. And I feel like we made that decision because we felt like other people needed that. They needed that reprieve, just a comic relief break. And we're by no means comedians, but you know, just no, that. You're absolutely right. I mean, breath like, of think fresh about- air away from it. Think about the time before Trump, right? And even before Obama was getting real controversial with all the pushback he was getting from the right, it was something where we didn't have to worry about politics every day of our lives. And we were able to just go about our business and maybe every week or three weeks or month, there would be a news story that everyone actually had to get on board with or maybe understand so that they could be conversant. 
and it wasn't every yeah. day like it was. It was oppressive during the Trump years. So, well, I feel like we went from, from having conversations. I feel like we went from having conversations about politics that we wanted to have to having conversations about politics that we needed to have. Um, it was only needed, and I think that's a really good insight. But along with that, I think that. Um, if you ask your average Trump supporter what he thought about a certain thing, he wouldn't really have an opinion until it was given to him. And so, therefore, his side of the of the argument was already given to him by the president. And then there right. was something in the new national discourse that we had to deal with, like you were saying, that you had no idea that you had to deal with. But it was thrust upon you. And a lot of the time, the Trump administration seemed to do it just to needle the other side. It wasn't because they actually believed in what they did. It was just, I mean, yeah, it was it was for it was forwarding the agenda, but it, it seemed to also just be trolling America, and people, oh yeah, people it were just like, breaking down because of it. Yeah, it was like we were like being like raped with hatefulness. Like it was just oh like God. they were just like pushing divisiveness in the news constantly, and you know, it's kind of refreshing to be able to have a conversation like this because I. I live in a very red area, and so I, in, in public settings, you know, most of the time, have to hold my tongue, you know. Sure. Um, our podcast, we deliberately stay away from politics, so I'm always trying to make, you know, not neutral comments, but just kind of steer away from it. So it's nice to be able to just be like, to agree and be able to like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, they, it was just empty-mindedness. They were just kind of walking along as worker bees until somebody just pumped them full of just something to, like you said, needling. Like, go pick a fight. Because that's that's what's going to, you know, that's going to let us get away with all the backdoor deals that we're doing, to be perfectly honest. If you guys are all fighting amongst yourselves. And that's what it is. Because if you can get all the poor people or the people of lesser means to go after each other, then everyone on the thrones just sits and, and doesn't have to worry about the upheaval that should be coming their way. Oh, right. no. Every time. And I feel like, in addition to all of this, then we throw in the people that don't make any sense often, but they come up with conspiracy theories that people can't stop following because that's where the people that fall in the gap go. So I feel like nobody yeah. escaped any of this because well, everyone landed in one of these categories. But so the, <laughs> the, the whole theory of if it bleeds, it leads could very well be the ruination of this country. Because well, yeah, the 24-hour news cycle. Unless it's salacious as possible. And then mm -hmm. what's as salacious as possible is always the extremes of each side. So when you say the squeaky wheel gets the grease, essentially what you're saying is the most rabid and crazy 10% of each of the parties gets to speak for the other 90. And the right. other 90 is sitting back saying, oh, we don't, this, no, I'm, you're trying to paint a brush that I'm Antifa? No, I'm just a left of center. And I'm not trying to say yeah. that you're a racist, but you really have some explaining to do if you voted for Donald Trump two times in a row. You know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> <Yeah>. it's like, <laughs> it's like I understand yeah. that not everyone was ready to storm the Capitol, but what I've been saying on this show for a very long time is that the extreme is far more present on the right, as we've seen, than it is on the left. And if they well, want to try and well, re reinvent their image, that's up to them. But right now, I see more people toting guns with Duck Dynasty beards than, than anything else. Well, I feel I mean, like to go with your point, though, sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. Just a quick one. To go with your point, I feel like we are 
seeing that through media more so. So it just goes back to the media, if it bleeds, it leads. So we think that we don't look that bad in comparison, but on the other side, they think the same thing about themselves. Sure. Because we all look like baby-killing psychopaths to them. Oh, right. yeah. And then, but then that the question take is, how truthful are the news outlets that are providing that side with their story, with their narrative of the other story? So we can say that, you know, the top liberal versus conservative news site is CNN versus Fox, and the relative truthiness of one versus the other is maybe 30 to 40% more truthful so we can definitively say objectively that liberals are getting a clearer, more truthful picture of whatever, X, than, than you could say on the right. And that is actually the case, but they don't want to hear that. No, they're not. It's- and I can tell you, and here's living in this part of the country, you know, and what do they call this? The Rust Belt. You know, we've got Mm -hmm. steel, we've got coal, we've got fracking, you know, this is, and largely in the county that I live in, it's, it's, you know, 99% white people. It is um, mostly undereducated, Mm -hmm. you know, a, a, a giant majority of these people, they live on these jobs you know they're coal miners their dads were coal miners their grandfathers were coal miners they're you know they get got into oil and gas and these companies were making such crazy money you know just pillaging the earth they're they're paying these people who you know anywhere else wouldn't be you know would be making minimum wage now they're paying them 30 40 dollars an hour and they've now built this life far beyond their means and the means of most anybody, you know, with just an, you know, living an honest wage. So now they're being pumped with, they're going to take your jobs. They're going to take your jobs. You're going to lose everything. You're not going to be able to feed your kids. You know, you're going to lose your house. And so these people are rightfully terrified. But instead of, you know, really doing any research of their own, maybe having empathy for the fact that, you know, we are destroying the planet that we live on, um, or taking the initiative upon themselves to find programs that are, you know, re-educating people to switch jobs or, you know, in their spare time doing something or finding, like, there's always, I'm always thinking, this isn't going to last forever. Any job that I have, I know can I can lose at any moment, you know, so I always am sharpening my skills and I'm always working on a resume and I'm always thinking, what else can I do if this doesn't work out? Well, these people well, have just decided modern, this is it. Okay? That is that is a, a modern approach that I don't believe a lot of people share over a certain age. And, no, you're and absolutely a, and, right. In a lot of places. And um, there's plenty of evidence that I've I've heard about that kind of just poo-poos the whole um, re-education push. Uh, Andrew Yang brought this up a lot during his campaign about how so few people take advantage of those type of programs when they are available, and if they are available, they really just don't have the wherewithal to follow through on it because you're not going to be able to turn a 50-year-old truck driver into a programmer. And that's essentially where we're going in this economy where... Everything is service-based and you're getting rid of the manufacturing and a lot of these people uh, in places like where you live have very few options and that's totally understandable. 
And, and gone are the days if I work this job for 20, you know, these 20 and out jobs that our grandparents had, you know, I worked 20 years, I retired, full pension, like that doesn't, ha- it's not ever going to happen again. Right, right. And so people's job securities is something that a lot of them in certain industries are just having to deal with because that type of thing, I, I don't know. I mean, there are, there are union workers who always have books they can go back on and oh, yeah. it's ebbed and flowed for years whether or not there was work for them. Um, so well, that type I, of thing is, is one thing, but I, like the coal is another because it's a slow uh, degradation dying. of a total yeah. way of life. And like you were saying, just like the same thing anywhere in the Rust Belt, when people are getting way more money than they should because they have shale contracts on their property or for their property, they're doing nothing for it, and they're getting tons of money for mm-hmm. people to extract the minerals out of the ground great for them however now they have an exacerbated view on how you should be able to live your life what mm-hmm. you should be able to afford in your life no you shouldn't have two seventy thousand dollar trucks because what do you actually do you run right. a forklift 40 hours a day or 40 yeah. hours a week right like like they have gotten a little bit it's, it's topsy-turvy because they're right next to somebody who has absolutely nothing and yeah, like, you know, you can we can bring in the amount or percentage of um, American savings nowadays, and we could look at why everyone's so nervous. It's because materialism is caught up to every last cent that they've put oh, in their yeah. pockets. But I think that was my my whole point of, of of even taking this you know little side road was that these people who aren't maybe don't have the mentality enough to do some research or to really aren't able to understand it maybe. They are being pumped, like you said, with all this misinformation that they're going to lose everything, which I like and I stand by you always may. But so they're scared. While I think that Trump supporters at at, a, at their core are just not good people because to support the things that come out of his mouth and the things that he does, I can understand just on a, a view of looking at it like that. Like, I, I see that you're scared. That doesn't make an excuse for the shit that you're saying and doing but i understand i understand that you're scared yeah yeah and um i was listening to an interview with uh abigail spamberger who is basically right along with joe manchin from west virginia gonna be the kingmakers of the senate because they're right in the middle and they're the most moderate people in the world and she's ex-cia and she won this um actually no i'm sorry she's a representative and um she won the super red district in virginia all military and everything but she won it because she was really pragmatic and it's interesting to hear people talk like that now she has a little bit more of an educated uh voter base than a lot of people around the country but if you can make the um appeal to decency to a lot of these people and say that they actually have somewhere to go on the other side of the aisle and you're not um, completely dismissive of their lifestyle, I think you'll be able to get a lot more people in the fold in the next four years if you Mm -hmm. bring, uh, like like these shovel-ready plans, right? So if everyone's on board with infrastructure and you have people in coal mine country who would totally get on the representative's ass if they got rid of all this money and possible jobs for their location, (coughs) 
I think that you're going to have a lot more unity through policy in the next four years as a possibility than we've had in quite some time. So that could be something, and the Republican Party has a lot of reckoning to do because there's a lot of infighting going on right now about how many of them are going to follow Trump into the into the abyss. And into how the many... Patriot Party? Yeah. Well, I hear he wants to call it the MAGA Party now. So. Well, I hope not, but... Um... Well, I mean, call whatever you want, but I did say, um, I believe only in a conversation with you, Ron, but I didn't get a chance to have this conversation with Melinda, is that it will be the only great thing he did for America is to create a third party to break up the two-party system, if he does in fact do it. That's why I think he won't, though, because he just doesn't follow through with anything that could possibly be sort of okay <laughs> yeah. for us here at home you know we could have had one win from this guy and yet he's not gonna do it but i mean honestly the uh, events of the sixth were a culmination of that way of thinking that showed america in like a light form where we could be headed if we decide to keep this nonsense up so like that was the gift that was the <laughs> uh yeah there were some people that died most of them were from the asshole group but, um, you know, that was like, whoa, here's what could happen. Let's turn the lights on. We got a lot of roaches in the cupboard. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you see, do, I mean, are you hearing, like, most of their defenses are all either. Oh, there was Antifa there. Whether, whether it's either I, I got caught up in the moment and I, I didn't mean to, or it was I, I was here. In. I was serving my president. Yeah, that's that was my American duty. The president asked for help and I came here for that. Like, that's awesome. This, like, um, just that blindness to not really think for yourself and to think that an entire, like, 81 million people and an entire armed services weren't storming the Capitol, but he needed you to come out of the hills with your Auschwitz hoodie and your fucking rifle to come save the day? Yeah. And most of them didn't even come armed. So, you know, you can understand, like, a lot of the people that were going during the cap, during the uh, the BLM marches and stuff, they weren't looking to use those guns. They just wanted to flex and show force because there was an opposing force there that was mm -hmm. the protesters. Well, they had a pretty good idea that either no one was going to be there or their buddies, the cops, were going to be there. So yep. we didn't have to bring our straps. You know, just the people who really had some nefarious shit on their minds were the ones who came armed or came with zip ties or yada yada. So it was a bunch of yokels who were basically being the most angry tourists you've ever seen. That's well, what I mean, it, it was for a lot of them. But if you step foot into there without being expressly granted permission to do so, then you should have some consequences to bear. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But, I mean, and do, dare we even just, like, speak on the fact that if that was a Black Lives Matter rally, how differently it would have turned around? That's like, insane. Well, just thinking about whether or if Barack Obama was on Twitter telling his followers to go to the Capitol... Like it, it, like it, my mind explodes every time I even think about the possibility of something like that because it's so far afield, and yet Trump basically has or had Diet Coke on order with a red button on his desk, and I also just all the rednecks of the it, country. I just picture him drinking out of it like a tap, like a fucking Simpsons character. Like he's just bellied up to the bar drinking Diet Coke out of a tap. 
Yeah, no, he would be more Barney, and uh, he's got the look of comic book store guy, though. Yeah, he does. <laughs> That's perfect. I feel like he's thought about this before and never shared it. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't oh, ready for no. that one. <laughs> These are my fries. Thank you. <laughs> you should have read episode forty-one, where I don't share with anyone. <laughs> Now, do you think do you think this is gonna any of this is gonna come to fruition? Do you think he's gonna get charged with anything or serve any sentences, even house arrest of any sort mm, for his or actions? Tax documents will come up, or we'll finally find out what the two week away healthcare plan has been for four years. Do you think any of this is gonna come up? I also have Mexican friends waiting to pass on a check, but they never got an address to send it to. They just uh, want to do their part. One wall place <laughs> that wasn't where it was supposed to go. No. Um, yeah, so I I think there's definitely a better chance of 17 Republicans getting on board if Mitch McConnell says to than uh, we have of seeing a PP tape or <laughs> anything else that would really just send this guy into the depths of hell forever. Um and that is what's amazing is that he actually floated the idea of being able to get that many people on board. Mitch was like, you know what? This asshole went too far this time. I think we can do it. And a lot of people are making a lot about the fact that they pushed back the hearing uh, until February. It's actually not that far away, but he wanted it to look at least it's done in good faith because uh, it's supposed to be a free and fair trial. Um, well, they're and, not back into session until February, I think, officially. Like, they don't go they to the floor. To give, they wanted to give Trump uh, time to get his team together mm, of defendants. Okay. So it didn't seem rushed and he was caught with his pants down or whatever, which is fine. <laughs> but, I mean, there's only one charge, and it's the incitement of insurrection, and it's pretty cut and dry. So if you then have Mitch McConnell saying, vote your conscious, conscience, it's okay this time, the blinders are off and you get a free pass to actually be a human being and you still have people siding with the president whether it be ted cruz josh hawley you know who knows Rand paul on an even bad day uh that's where you might see the actual fracturing of the party come about because it's a bridge too far for a lot of these people and a lot of these people are getting pushback even though we need we need them we need some of even on the left side you need people this. to break with just the blind answer. Like everybody needs to be able to sometimes say, you know what, enough's enough, and that's that's even with on, that's on any side. I, and I can't even think of what topic I could even bring up well, as here, far Fauci, as liberals go, because you know I'm Fauci a screaming just liberal. This week but said, you know what's really great and uh, a breath of fresh air with this administration is that when you don't have the answer, you don't have to make one up. You can just say, I don't. Know. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he yeah. also got to say, uh, "We now get to follow the science." Yeah. Well, uh, it's a it's like, refreshing. <laughs> right. I was waiting for you to say that. I was like, "All right, Fauci, just coming back full swing." 100%. Right. Oh, well, let me tell you. You see that uh, Dr. Levine, you know, was appointed, or she was. She's our PA health uh, director here. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So she was. I don't know if she has to be confirmed uh, by Congress, but yeah. you know, she was appointed to to help out Fauci. <laughs> I don't know what her exact title was to be, but um, I have heard the most awful, disgusting things 
in this state said about this woman for the last year that I well have, you have to you have to start that that topic with that that this is the transgender woman who has made national headlines because she was the first elected official to be so I believe and that happened a little earlier in the year and mm-hmm. then uh, obviously with this appointment there was she was brought into the national stage like never before and so i'm sure that the blowback and the ignorance and the disgustingness uh i'm just happy to see her get this promotion like she's incredibly intelligent it's merit-based and it's not like we're doing the fox fox news application process where you have to be blonde with tits to even get a a a sit down exactly so i just I, i i'm happy for her that she has dealt with all of this just hate and just ugliness for a year on such in such a public way with such grace and just never really truly entertained it and now she gets this awesome appointment like i'm just really happy to see that no doubt um it's really really nice to see very qualified people who are trustworthy either by my own standards or by the standards of people that I respect and uh, admire and understand their professionalism. Um, yeah, I mean, get- the fact that we're seeing... when The more people though, that you get in a room with different... from different walks of life, of different cultures, of different religions and backgrounds, like, that's when you truly get these think tanks. These You, you get the best answer and not just the only answer. You know, like... It, to see a Native American woman in charge of federal lands, like fucking brilliant, right? You know, if we start putting, we start listening to Fauci and have the scientist handle the science, you know, like, like you said, it's merit-based. We have the right people in the right positions. And I think, I think policy-wise, we're really going to get some good changes in these next four years. What uh, changes are you thinking, Ron? Like, just in the next one year? What are you thinking? Well, I mean, there are some... He's He's got a lot of executive orders that have come out that, you know, are going to have some policy ramifications, uh, whether it be immigration or you name it, especially when it comes to this pandemic. I think it's fantastic that they're ramping up and they're using the Defense Production Act. Like, it was so disheartening. You thought that there were at least some people in a in an office somewhere in the White House who had a plan for this pandemic, but on day one, Biden comes in there and he says, the cupboard's bare, you guys. There's, there's no plan. There's nothing here. And that is very scary. So at least to know that Biden's like, listen, we have all these common sense levers that have just basically been collecting dust since this thing began. Let's start using them. I mean, that's, that's day one easy stuff. A hundred million doses of the vaccine brought out in his first hundred days is his goal. And and a lot of really smart people are saying it's more than doable. Like, where were these initiatives? Where was the high-minded thinking that you get from liberals? It's like, I missed it like a breath of fresh air. Now, we can find out how much the other side wants to shit on it. But when it comes to, like, these 60, 70, 80% approval approval rating um, type topics and endeavors, Mm -hmm. they're going to have a hard time saying no. So I just think there's going to be a lot of public money flowing and (laughs) it really is. I mean, it's going to be public... Just handouts for everyone. Public private money, should I say, (laughs) partnerships. Did he not also sign something the first day, uh, made everybody sign like an ethics clause or something to that effect, that they would not make legislative decisions based upon their financial gain? 
I don't know. I mean, that sounds like uh, like a fiduciary, essentially. Versus well, I mean, I understand that it's. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand that it's purely ceremonial for the most part. I'm sure there's nothing binding in it that they could really do or say. But oh no, I mean, I, like an actual like an actual fiduciary versus a um, financial advisor, they're not allowed to put you into any bad investments. Essentially, so you have to be you have to have the best interest of the country at heart. Essentially, the same way you have to have the best interest of your client at heart when you're, um, you know, suggesting these investments right. or whatever. Right, right, right. So right, yeah, right. That, that's that's totally cool. Now, uh, obviously, you will get uh, Fox News turn that into Biden makes everyone sign blood oath, uh, <laughs> babies, yada yada, whatever. Yeah, right. I, you know. Yeah. But so I think it's a good thing, essentially, to corral everyone in the same direction with the same message and with the same goal. Are you guys, are, is anybody following the Seth Rogen, Ted Cruz beef on Twitter? Because it's everything to me right now. No, Whoa. I heard about it at its outset and then I kind of, that, that was it. It's so, I mean, it, it's like super lowbrow middle school name calling and I'm loving every minute of it. And if you bring a beard like Ted Cruz's to the party, you better oh. expect a turd in that punch bowl. Oh. That's terrible. It looks like he wakes up and he puts like a hand blender in it to brush it. It's horrible. He looks like a pregnant lady tried to shave her bush before she gave birth. And you can hear more of that on the Bossy Messy <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Low brow ranting and uh, That's right. bush chats. I we're not talking about presidents. I knew this podcast <laughs> Sunday was missing a couple toppings. <laughs> I did want to just, uh, since we have like a nice panel of the three of us right now, how are we feeling about the vaccine? Everybody is planning on getting it. I mean, I changed my mind from saying, let's just see how everybody's doing to <laughs> if I can get that and then do whatever I want, then sign me up. Like yeah, I'm going to be, like, last on the list. Like, Pennsylvania is doing, like, a tiered system, and I work from home. My kids school virtually, hopefully not too much longer, but, like, I'm younger. I don't have any specific health risks. Maybe my weight would qualify me up a level, or you know, but other than that. Now, my husband, Rich, would be... He's considered like an essential worker, frontline, like in no, but I mean, residential where, homes. I think so. she means where you, what's your standing on your confidence in the vaccine? Oh, you mean on the effectiveness of it? I mean, or, no, or, your confidence I, in it. Oh, I'm going to get it. I thought that was implied. I'm definitely going to get it. No, because that's she's what the one she's, of us who had COVID. That's what she's talking about. Brittany was not confident in the efficacy or the safety of this vaccine. Well, you know, rightfully so because of the administration that put it out. But, yeah. you know, now that we've heard 90, 95% efficacy with very few side effects, that that is what has changed her mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had COVID, so I can promise you that whatever, like, sore muscles or slight fever I get from, you know, if I would get it from the vaccine would not compare it to actually the breathing glass feeling of having COVID. There you go. Yeah. All right. I mean that's yeah like I'm I'm on board too. I I wanted to make sure people weren't dropping dead when they were first, you know, shelling these out. Now it seems pretty pretty safe and I'm ready to get one as soon as I can. Oh yeah. I feel like once you saw I, the confidence really in me like once you see every nurse and doctor that I know really jumping in there like we need this. We have to have this. Please you get it too. Like that was enough for me. Like, you know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 
And yet the contagion is still there because I heard that there was like, I think it was Maryland, where they had the highest number or percentage of medical professionals who refused to get the vaccine. Oh, Jesus. That's yeah. how a friend of mine got the vaccine. He's a he's a therapist doing telehealth. And so many people said they did not want it that he ended up at the top of the, hey, do you want it list? Wow. And of course he was like, yes, indeedy. Like... Well, I know West Virginia, they don't lead much of anything in this country, but they are leading in vaccinating their citizens. And I think that's wonderful. They have great and they have a great hospital in Morgantown. You know, WVU Hospital is a just a wonderful, wonderful hospital in the area and not just in the area. I mean, you know, regionally, but they're they're pumping them out, man. They're making sure everybody's getting them down there. That's good. All right. Well, we'll have a race. We'll see who gets theirs first. (laughs) <laughs> who's the last and we'll come back on here and we'll share our stories about how much it hurt <laughs> owie well thank you ladies thank you so much for coming on here I think we talked a little bit of podcast or a little bit of politics and uh, hopefully that was a brush of fresh, fresh air from what you guys are normally used to yeah we like to talk it we just the reason that we don't I guess we didn't really say is just our listeners happen to be a lot of Moms. No, you're smart. Out. You're absolutely smart. I completely alienate way too many people because I have a potty <laughs> mouth and I like to call names, and I am very unapologetic about it. We have potty mouths. We like to call names in a different way. Yeah, but you um, choose your targets more wisely. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. We cover uh, a broad brush. Exactly. Of all of our days. So yeah, we talk works. about like sweaty cracks and dick pics and stuff. So it's a totally different vibe over on our show. <laughs> and then we also talk about mental health awareness, donating your pandemic pantries. Wow, that well, is a we broad like to keep swath, it real. folks. I think, I, think as, I think as a mom, you go through all of those things. You know, That's you go right. through the mental physical and, and the mental. And are like really intertwined. So yeah. I don't see how you can extract one from the other. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But it was awesome talking politics and being able to do it with my best friend and my husband. So Yeah, thanks for having me, Kabunos. Hey, <laughs> no problem. It was a welcome addition to the podcast, and I hope everyone had fun listening. Thank you. All right, bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>